This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 735, How Much is Too Much in a Single Investment, by Darrow Kirkpatrick of CanIRetireYet.com. And I am Dan, your host, and this is where I read to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the planet. And before we get going with our post today from Darrow Kirkpatrick, I want to thank Fundrise for their support. They are frequently mentioned as a recommended tool in blogs that I narrate, and for good reason. Fundrise enables you to instantly access high-quality, high-potential private market real estate projects, from high-rises in D.C. to multifamily apartments in L.A. And each real estate project is carefully vetted and actively managed by Fundrise's team of real estate pros. Fundrise is the future of real estate investing. Visit fundrise.com slash OFD, that's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash OFD to have your first three months of fees waived. For now, let's get right to our post and start optimizing your life. How Much is Too Much in a Single Investment? by Darrow Kirkpatrick of CanIRetireYet.com A reader writes, quote, What would you consider a safe percentage of one's portfolio in brick-and-mortar real estate investments? Currently, approximately one-third of my portfolio is in rental properties. I have pulled back on investing in the stock market for now and am considering increasing my percentages in the rental market versus other potential investment strategies. I have a good salary, a good profession, am 52 years old, and not yet ready to consider retirement. End quote. This is an interesting question and not one that you'll find an easy answer to from the usual financial sources. There probably is no definite answer without modeling all the details of an individual situation, if then. But there is a lot that can be said on the larger topic of what is adequate diversification. Let's start with single company holdings. We've all read the sad stories of employees who had the bulk of their retirement savings invested in the stock of a single company that went bankrupt. Just Google Enron or WorldCom if you need a reminder. A 2008 study by the Employee Benefit Research Institute reported that almost one-third of workers in their 60s who were eligible to own company stock in their 401k plans had more than 20% of their account in company stock. Is that too much? How about the 8% who reportedly had more than 90% of their retirement holdings in company stock? According to FINRA, which is the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, quote, The general consensus among financial experts is that an adequately diversified portfolio should have no more than 10 to 20% of total investment assets in company stock, end quote. My own comfort level, based on real-world experience, not a mathematical analysis, is also around the 20% level for any undiversified holding. And even for diversified holdings, like, say, a balanced mutual fund from the irreproachable Vanguard, I've hesitated to go much over 30% in any one holding. When it comes to real estate, let's start by asking how much real estate the average investor might own through a typical investment portfolio. The Lazy Portfolio page on the Bogleheads forum shows various experts recommending from 5% to 20% in real estate or REITs, which are real estate investment trusts. For what it's worth, I've typically held about 15%. Do these percentages apply to other forms of real estate too? Think about the nature of real estate you own and manage for income. As I wrote in three proven investment strategies, I do believe that rental real estate is one of the few proven ways for ordinary people to build wealth. I've seen enough personal success stories to know it works. It just wasn't my path because a primary requirement is that you enjoy, or at least tolerate, working on houses and managing tenants. 
Rental real estate is part investment and part business. You must be prepared to run a small business or find a cheap and trustworthy manager who can do it for you, which, from what I hear, is extremely difficult. As a small business owner, you would be in good company to concentrate a high proportion of your wealth in your business. It's not uncommon for a small business owner to have most of his or her net worth wrapped up in the business, certainly more than 20 to 30%. But does that mean you should put all or most of your investment eggs in the real estate basket if you have a choice? One way to answer that question is to look at the historical standard deviation in returns and ask yourself whether you can live with a volatility. We know from recent experience that stock markets can lose 50% of their value in a relatively short time frame. If you own a substantial percent of stocks, you have to ask yourself whether you can live with having their value cut in half for a few years, maybe longer. Most of us don't have to speculate on this question. We can simply review our portfolios and our reactions over the past few years. The same analysis can be applied to real estate. The S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which is a prominent measure for the U.S. residential housing market, fell more than 30% from its peak around 2006. Will you sleep okay with your assets shaved by one-third? Keep in mind that the declines have been more severe in certain parts of the country. Also keep in mind that real estate is famously illiquid. You'll have a hard time getting your money out in a hurry. So safe real estate investing presumes either cash flow positive deals or operating cash from other sources. What about the possibility of a total loss? That's virtually impossible with any mainstream mutual fund or ETF because there is a measure of inherent diversification in holding multiple companies. But a total loss is not unthinkable for directly held investment real estate, if it's concentrated geographically or under a single manager, even yourself, for example. Would a total loss of your real estate or other concentrated investments devastate your lifestyle or do you have enough other assets? And is that potential risk worth the investment return? Many people, myself included, might answer, I don't think I'll take that chance, above the 30% mark, and would diversify. Others would answer, I trust real estate or CDs or government bonds or gold or something else more than the stock market, and they would rather concentrate. My bottom line, if I were to concentrate in a single type of investment, it would need a few key qualities. It would have to offer inflation protection because that is a near certain risk going forward. It would have to produce income so I could live off it and never be forced to sell it in a down market. It would have to be diversified against geographic and management risk and it would have to be something I was interested in and knowledgeable about, so I'd have an edge in assessing the risk. By these measures, rental real estate, especially if not too concentrated in one area or under one manager, might pass muster, but only you can truly make that judgment about your own desired level of risk with your hard-earned money. You just listened to the post titled, How Much is Too Much in a Single Investment? by Darrow Kirkpatrick of CanIRetireYet.com. And thank you once again to Fundrise for their support. Fundrise is frequently mentioned in articles from our authors because it's a great tool. Come by Fundrise.com OFD to have your first three months free. Private market real estate has historically provided excellent ongoing cash flow, even as it supports long-term growth. Private market assets like these are a strategy for diversifying beyond public market investments and even other kinds of real estate, like publicly traded REITs. And Fundrise is the future of real estate investing. The platform's innovations power an investor-first model by eliminating the bloated costs and middlemen that have traditionally weighed down real estate investing. 
saving investors time and money. Unparalleled transparency and real-time reporting let you see how the development of specific properties impact your overall portfolio. So check it out. Visit fundrise.com OFD. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash OFD to have your first three months of fees waived. And that's it for today and that's it for this week here at Optimal Finance Daily. Thank you so much as always for listening. I really appreciate it and I will see you right back here on Monday where your optimal life awaits.